Hi, and welcome to episode 144 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Dr. Jonelle Anamalechi joining us. Dr. Jonelle is a mom of two. She's a board-certified pediatric dentist, a speaker, an author, a professor, and serial entrepreneur. She obtained her undergrad degree from Duke University and started her own path in dentistry at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Adams School of Dentistry. She completed her Master's of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health at the UNC CA School of Global Health. Dr. Anna Malecci attended St. Joseph Regional Medical Center for her P-Dental Residency Program, and she opened Children's Choice Pediatric Dentistry and Orthodontics in New Carrollton, Maryland in 2014 and Washington, D.C. in 2019, completely from scratch, and she built the practice of her dreams. She's also the co-director of Thrive, a specialty pediatric airway center in Washington, D.C., She's attending faculty at Children's National Hospital in the Division of Oral Health MedStar Georgetown Hospital in the Department of Pediatric Medicine and guest faculty at Georgetown School of Law. Her national and international work has focused on children with craniofacial abnormalities, tethered oral tissues, and their link to poor oral health and health equity for children with special challenges. Dr. Anna Malachi has been featured in Dentaltown, NPR, ABC, CBS, and NBC. She recently launched Innovative Women in Healthcare with All Women co-author team, and in spring 2022, she's co-launching a book titled What Should Mommy Do for Their Child's Oral Health? Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Vulcan. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Well, Janelle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am excited to talk about what you've created. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. So I know we've got some shared patients together and I've been starting to learn a bit about, you know, your pediatric airway center thrive. And I would love for you to start there and tell us about how you came to create thrive, you know, where, where was this born out of? Well, um, you know, as a parent, it's always some sort of parent intuition that drives you to do a lot of things, right? So I have a six-year-old, new six-year-old. I was going to say five, but he just turned six last week. And a two-year-old. And it's my six-year-old who's kind of the whole reason for why thrives in existence. And so I had a little one whom at about two, we were noticing weird sleeping patterns. Um, He was on the curve, but kind of just teetering up the curve. And then we were like, oh, he's just a skinny kid. It's fine. You know, and then we noticed snoring. And then we noticed this kind of irritability and and, and inattention, even though he'd been asleep for asleep for 10 hours, all these things. And I said, you know, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I don't know. Something's wrong. And as a healthcare provider, I'm like, something's wrong. So I kept asking our pediatrician, you know, what do you think? He, He at that time was two, maybe three, and they're like, no, no big deal. The snoring's not a big deal. This is, don't worry about it. He'll grow out of it. And I said, okay, all right, I'll be patient. I'll be patient. And this was a right around the time also in pediatric dentistry where all the kind of correlations are starting to be made, right, between sleep and 
you know, the article that we were talking about regarding ADHD and, and sleep and all these things and leaning more toward thinking about ADHD in the black community, my black son. And I kept having these like nightmares of like, okay, what if this kid really just can't breathe? And what if like some of this irritability and attention and some of these things that I'm catering to maybe just be a toddler, may just be a kid, may not be at all, maybe something more than that. And so that made me just start digging. I started taking more classes and I started just really digging into the conferences and thinking about it. And I sat in one class and literally diagnosed my son. And I was like, this kid has sleep apnea. No matter what they tell me, this kid has sleep apnea. So literally that week, I went back to the pediatrician and I videotaped him sleeping. And I said, all I want is a sleep study. That's all I want. Non-invasive, not asking for any surgery, just one sleep study. Because at that point, even the ENTs wouldn't see that. They were, he, they were like, he's too young. He's fine. Don't worry about it. My kid went for a sleep study. His numbers really totaled up to like almost the highest scale of severe sleep apnea that a kid could have. They called me in 24 hours and said, this kid's got to go to surgery like now. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> this is what I've been telling you for a year and a half. It's giving me chills. And it's, it's crazy, right? And yeah. so... Um, as a healthcare provider, I was able to get him in, counseling adenoids out, get some OMC, and in a month, he gained five pounds. He was sleeping. I can't even, I can't even tell he's in the room at this point. I have a video on my website about it. I was like, you can't even tell this kid is in the room anymore. Still, because he had irritable leg syndrome, he was all in the bed. He was all off the bed, in the bed, I mean, all kinds of things totally different kid. And I said at that point, if as a healthcare provider, I have to advocate for my kid like this, and I can scooch the lines, mm -hmm. what are other families going to do when they're having these same problems? What are they going to do when they have that parent intuition that says something is not right? Yep. And so that, that's thrive. We want our kids to feed better, breathe clear, speak freer, and smile brighter. That's where we are. And I'm doing it for my kids. And I want other families to be able to experience, honestly, that pure just joy and satisfaction, right? Because you know, when you as a parent, you feel like you've done something like, check, I did it. Like, I figured this out. When everyone else is saying, uh, I don't know, I figured it out. And so here he is as a six-year-old thriving. And I'm, I'm super proud of that. And I'm super proud of the story. But then it also just encouraged me to then push my team even further. Because then during the pandemic, we were closed for three months. We didn't shut down. I asked my hygienist, I said, your faith, the faith of pediatric dental hygiene is changing. What do you want to do? And they said, well, we've heard about this LMT thing. And we, we really know that you've been starting this and you've been really airway centric. Like we want an opportunity to do something too. Fine, let's do it. You got time. What else do you have? <laughs> you have time. And so two, two budding OMTs now out of my office into the world to, to do so much, so many other things. Like we're currently waiting on AAPD to hopefully approve myself and my hygienist to co-speak on this in the spring 2022 conference. Like it's just exciting 
to be able to spread the word and to see parents have that aha moment where you're talking and you're like, yeah, this, yeah, you like, how was breastfeeding? Like, they're like six and you're like, how was breastfeeding? And they're like, oh, we couldn't, you yeah, know, well, this was happening. Or how is sleep? Like, are they still supposed to be bedwetting at this age? Like, are, are they really? Oh, yeah. No, that's not supposed to be happening. Oh, we thought it wasn't. And so we didn't, as pediatric dentists, people kind of say, well, you're pediatric dentists. Like, why are you, like, what are you, why are you doing this? Like, what, what's that all about? That's kind of like quirky a little bit. And we sort of, we don't even sort of, we do partnerize that relationship. We know that our pediatricians have tons to do. So I need to blame them. They have tons of doing a well-child visit. Sometimes some kids who are maybe even borderline may slip through the cracks. And so we're here to kind of fill in, fill in those gaps, fill in those gaps of information that may be needed from a family or may, you know, we say, hey, go back to your pediatrician and talk to them about this. What do they think about this? Here's what we found. And we can be advocates too for them. So all the things that we're doing, it's just, I mean, it's exciting to me and it's brand new from bread and butter, cleaning and drilling and filming <laughs> as a pediatric dentist. It's just, it's, it's given me like a whole new part of my career too. So I'm really excited. So exciting. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. for the long story, right? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, great. I, I love hearing the whole story and I'm sitting here just thinking like, wow, we're leading parallel lives. Like we were both, you know, were you in the DMV the whole time? Like in that, since like your kids have been born? Yes. Yes. Yep. We've been in the DMV for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. My, my youngest is six. She just turned six in August. And the reason why I got into this, I was like, horrible breastfeeding experience. I was already a pediatric feeding therapist, but I was working mostly with toddlers on up and a lot of autism back when I first got into feeding. And then I switched mm. to working with like picky eaters where it, like it persisted. And that threw me into working with infants because then I had a baby who was not feeding well and who was breastfeeding for 45 minutes on. And then we get an hour break and then we breastfed again for 45 minutes. And it was like, that was my life. That was mine too. If I put her in the car or put her in um, the stroller, she would sleep for three hour naps in the stroller. I'd have to be like walking around and I would go to Nordstrom because I knew they had a great breastfeeding. (laughs) And I was like, do by the way, (laughs) I I only worked two part days a week treating and then ran my practice from home with a baby on me because all she did was feed and she wouldn't drink from a bottle. And, you know, I took her to lactation and we had lactation in the hospital. She was that baby who was failure to thrive when she left the hospital, lost too much weight. We were going for weight checks. They put her, wanted her to take formula. She screamed and cried. I was like, we're not doing this. Like I, I'm not anti-formula, but I'm anti-screaming, crying baby. So we're just going to make this work. But first percentile, never over the first percentile until after her first birthday, I think she jumped to the fifth percentile, but she was also eating some solids at that point. Right. And then she really kind of there for a while and they were always like well she's on her own growth curve so she's fine and I was like okay I mean I literally can't keep pants on this child but like all she can wear are leggings cat and jack from target because like nothing else seems to stay up on her but (laughs) that's fine we'll just run with it I mean it was like you know and then I go and I take this course my myo course and I come back and I flip her upside down and I look under her lip and her tongue and I was like why did nobody that I took her to ever look inside her mouth like what I is going on? I know and even I as an SLP a pediatric feeding therapist was never trained to do that and so that made me go okay 
halt. <laughs> Something has got to change. Like what is going on? And, and it, it really just like you, it threw me down this like rabbit hole of if I had to jump through this many hoops as a therapist in this space and didn't even have the answers for my own child and couldn't get help around me from the people who are supposed to be specialized in this area, yeah. how the heck are other families going to navigate this? Yeah. Like they don't even know the yeah. questions to ask or the courses to take, and they shouldn't have to go and pay to take courses. They should be able to go to their providers and get answers. And yeah. maybe that's not every provider, but we need to at least have some people around here who can help. <laughs> I mean, it yep. was, yeah. So there I went down the rabbit hole and that, that literally changed my practice overnight too. I mean, it went from even the way I look at kids with speech sound issues, even, you know, yes. and started asking everybody about sleep. We had always asked about behavior, but we had never asked about sleep. We had never mm-hmm. you know, asked about, we had always asked about feeding because we were feeding therapists and even for people who came for just speech or OT or language, you know, we always got a really comprehensive intake, but it shifted. We started asking more questions, better questions, questions that would give us insight into like, does your child wet the bed? Can your child ride mm-hmm. a bike? I mean, all these different developmental things that, you know, we start, started to see these interesting patterns with. And like mm-hmm. you said, with ADHD, I started thinking about, well, what about all these kids with language delays? I mean, yep. why is it that sometimes they go from like appearing to not have language and really not understanding much at all? not just not talking, but then like overnight, the kid starts talking. Like what happened? What changed? Right. I mean, it's not some like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's something going on here. Right. And everyone just goes, Oh, that sometimes happens. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, not the answer. Not the answer. Our child didn't talk until they were three. It's okay. Your child will be fine. No. <laughs> why are why are these acceptable answers? I mean, and you see this in mom groups all the time online. Like, yeah. and I get yeah. it. From one mom to another, it's like you want to instill hope and you don't want other parents to worry. But I'm like sometimes maybe a little worrying is warranted so that we can get our child the services they actually need, you know? And yeah. The struggle is then like you said, like having providers who can provide these services, having the team that fully understands it. And so I know I was talking before we recorded, I was like super excited jumping up and down in my chair because we have shared patients. <laughs> I know your team gets it. And I've seen the excitement from a couple families, one of which is a therapist on my team, come back and be like, Hallie, it, it was so good. Like going to their office, like they, they, they knew, they understood, they opened my eyes even further to what you've been telling me and what we do with our families. And I feel like I, I feel like I have hope. I feel like I have answers. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. action to actually help my child. And I was like, this gives me goosebumps and makes me want to cry because how frequently do parents usually come back to us and go, well, that provider said they're fine. So what's next? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what I was just thinking when you said that. I was like, it's so disheartening because sometimes like families play this almost like this game of like, let's see if we can get the best two out of three answers or the best four, you know? And you're like, oh, this has got to be so time consuming, so exhausting. Like just bring it all together. Like, you know, I was on a call the other day with two SLCs. I was like, we need to have a unified you know, presentation as family. We can't give them, you know, different answers or what we want to let help me understand what you do. 
I'll help you understand what I do. And then let's see how we do it together. And I think that's just the way it should be. And I hope that just, you know, just in us talking and talking about how much is needed, this is our future. Like this is the future of what medicine looks like, where you can do those things and you can help families put the pieces of the puzzle together without them having to come in with a notebook of consults and you're like going through, okay, okay, let me see what they said. Oh my gosh, it's a lot. And, you know, as a young child, time matters. Those stages matter. You know, I was big on, I didn't want him to go to kindergarten like that because that's where the testing begins and all the assessments begin. And, you know, then, then it's a record, right? It's a record. And I just, I want to figure, if it's something, if there's something, right? It doesn't have to be anything, but if there's something, I want to figure it out before. Yeah. yeah well, and, and, you know, I was just actually talking um, recently in another one of the episodes about this. I was that kid, right? So my mom was told when I was in preschool to start getting me tested for ADHD. And I think around age five or so, she said, she told me, she's like, I took you to three different psycho- like neuropsychologists because the first one diagnosed you with ADHD without ever meeting you, just from having a conversation on the phone with me. And she was like, that didn't sit well. So that was like, no. <laughs> the second one, I think she was like, the second one, had you come into the office, had not tested you yet, saw you, talked to me and was like, yeah, she's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, she's good. But like, didn't actually test you. She's like, and the third one, it was kind of like, they were like borderline, like inconclusive. She's like, nobody could really give me good answers. She's like, but you were also like five, right? So, you know, fast forward, they didn't put me on medication. My mom was like, I'm not getting good answers here. I'm not just going to put my child on meds. And I did, you know, I did do well grade wise throughout school. Um, but I always got like S's on my report card for like talks too much. (laughs) Here I am hosting a podcast. And here I am. But fast forward to my freshman year of college, like, oh, I tanked, I tanked. And I was like, what happened? I was getting good grades. Like, well, either, and then I blamed it on nobody taught me how to study the way I needed to learn how to study in college, which is true, but also sleep, partying, you know, like I'm trying to navigate a new space. And it was like, that was the last straw. So trying to be in this new environment and things are being taught differently, tested differently. I'm staying out late. My sleep was already probably really impacted before that. And it was like, I think that was probably now that I look back, like that was the last straw. And so I went and got tested like again, officially. And they said, well, your IQ is high. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to say you have ADHD because you made it this far in life doing really well up until this point. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, sure. And they were like, but you're a candidate for Ritalin. And I was like, okay, (laughs) so what does that mean? And so they put me on Ritalin and I mean, I saw my grades go from like C average CB to like straight A's. I went from like up to like a three, eight to like a 4.0 throughout the rest of school and grad school. Mind you, like when I looked at my notes, both on and off meds, it was like, skeleton notes versus like, I wrote down everything they said verbatim. And then yeah. I also taught myself how to study. I had to like put certain things in place. And so I'm like, do I believe that I'm ADHD or that I have ADHD like qualities? Yeah, I do. As an adult, I think the damage that was done to my brain, whether it's truly ADHD or it was sleep deprivation that killed brain cells over a certain period of time. Like I have a really hard time getting started in the morning. It could be 11 a.m. before like I'm up and rearing and ready to go on days where I don't have like earlier scheduled appointments. And 
as an adult, like I sit here going like, wow, would I benefit from meds now? I mean, I don't want them, but I'm not, you know, that's not the route that I'm choosing because I know I still need to deal with my airway. And that's the route that I've learned, right? Through going through all of this that we need to be looking at first. And that unfortunately is not the route that's often discussed. I know in our offices, that is, but in most others, they immediately go, hey, here's medication, right? And it's like, I don't want these kids on, like, I know what it feels like Exactly. on it. I was irritable. I was mean. I was like, I couldn't eat. I also couldn't be around anybody. Like I needed to be like locked in my dorm room by myself with complete silence. I was like copying all my notes to note cards, chugging down to learn how to study. It was, I mean, I had to teach myself like how to exist in this, like, you know, new state of affairs on these mm-hmm. meds. And I did, they, it was short acting. So it was about four hours in and then four mm-hmm. hours it was awful. I mean, when I look back, I'm like, yeah, I got good grades. And that was my goal at the time, but it was awful. And I go back and I think about these kids being on meds and how they Mm -hmm. must feel. And we're putting them in a room with other people. And then they're sleep deprived. They're now on stimulants. They don't feel good. They don't want to eat a lot of them. So like, they're not getting proper nutrition throughout the day because meds are Mm -hmm. preventing an appetite, you know, I'm like, there's this, like, we need to restructure how we're doing things here in the U S you know, and I obviously can go on this rant, but it's just, why are we not looking at air? We, we must definitely be soul sisters because I was diagnosed at 23. Mm. So I was, I was out of college. Yeah. I was out of college in grad school. And my poor husband this day still has to deal with me and my I feel bad. I feel bad for him. Actually. <laughs> I I feel fine. <laughs> he has to deal with me. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, right? In your adult life trying to like, oh wow, putting those correlations together, putting those things together. And it, it's huge. And like you said, you know, how how do these kids feel? Like they're 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 moving through life, but are they experiencing, like, do they really feel, and are there things, like you said, that we can look at and say, this needs to be done? Those things take a lot more time, right? They take a lot more time, a lot more uh, looking into in terms of measuring progress and status, but when it's, when, when you finally get it, you've seen your kids just totally turn around. Yeah, yeah. And when I explain to a parent that, yeah, we're used to, you know, making jokes about picky eating toddlers, but are those picky eating toddlers trying to protect their airway because they're scared that if they eat something else, they don't know what's going to happen. Got to think about it. Right. And there's so many things that we think about that may be tied to the things that now we, we look at, or we used to look at in our mommy groups as, Oh my gosh, my child. And you know, Oh yes. Yeah. No, that's not normal. That's not normal. (laughs) I mean, you mentioned a great point with picky eaters. You know, we always say if it happens for like a few weeks, maybe even a few months, right? And then they phase out of it. Okay, that can be typical because they're exploring foods and kids get a little pickier and toddlerhood. If it goes on more Mm -hmm. than two months, we have a problem. They're no longer picky. They're selective eaters. And those selective eaters have got, we've got to look at why they're being so selective. Because like you mentioned, it could be they're protecting their airway. Maybe they can't efficiently chew their food properly. And so that's why they cut their foods down to the foods that they know are one easy to like dissolve in their mouth or break down. 
and or swallow if they're not properly prepared because it won't hurt to swallow it or it, they'll have better control of it going down their esophagus versus it potentially falling mm-hmm. down their trachea, right? I mean, it's, it is the body just, the body's going to protect all day long, whatever is yes. safe is going to trump everything else. And then I look at these kids with enlarged tonsils and adenoids. It doesn't feel good to swallow food in general. If you have enlarged tonsils, mm-hmm. very small space through which to swallow it. So if your food is not prepped properly, in addition to having enlarged tissues in the back of your nasopharynx, like, yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah. good feeling. So they're going to stick with, I always tell parents like, and everyone says, well, okay. I mean, I see how they eat like cheese and crackers and yogurt and these softer foods. I'm like, yeah, that are all colorless for the most part. Yeah. Okay. They're all like <laughs> white, brown, like they're kind of like, the, like one category, right? Cause those the, are the blah. I call it the blah. blah. <laughs> like they're not eating their greens. They're not eating, you know, and sometimes they'll say, well, but they eat carrots. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I haven't figured that one out. A lot of my kids who are really picky will eat like carrots. And I'm like, I, I can't tell you why. Or kids <laughs> who are like really tongue tied and they won't eat anything else, but they'll, they'll eat steak. It takes them a long time to eat it, but it's like, they love it so much. Yeah. They're willing to put in the work. Right. And even then it's not properly prepped, but you know, <laughs> they, do. they make exceptions, right? There's always an exception to the rule, but it's so fascinating to look at these kiddos because they, they're doing it's, it's survival. They're doing what they know they need to do in order to be safe. And I'll get parents who say, well, what if they eat chicken nuggets? And I'm like, this is gross, but chicken nuggets are like, yeah. like, it's like somebody chewed it, formed it back together. And it's really yep. pushed it back in a little, little. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, follow <laughs> it, like not super prepared. It's a softer consistency. So it's, it's not like a, gr- a grilled chicken or grilled, you know, like, grilled meat. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. So it's, that's always a tipping point for me. If a parent tells me their child is picky, I start to go, Oh, nobody ever looked in your child's mouth. <laughs> like, or they can't see certain sounds, you know, then we go, Oh, how, how's their, you know, how's the food going? Do they, are they adventurous eaters? Are they, you know, it always begs the question one way or the other. And then that also allows us to kind of get into the whole Mayo tots airway conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all interconnected. And it's, you know, it's interesting to, to have that conversation because then, and I know you do too, you watch the parent make their own connections for themselves. Yeah. And then I'm like, and here's the adult referral. <laughs> uh-huh. Here you go. Yeah. Because, you know, I've looked at you and your posture and you're like, here it is. <laughs> How's your back feel? How are you feeling? <laughs> It's amazing. I, I love it when you see, like, you can see the wheels turning and then they look at you and they go, can you look at my mouth and see if I have a tongue tie? Issues that you talk about. And I'm like, I'm like, have you ever had migraines? Do you have any upper neck, shoulder, back? For years, like I would take migraine medication or I just have consistent headaches. I just thought it was like weather related or allergy related. And I'm like, and it could be, but let's see. I don't know. Let's Check see. It out. There's also yep. something keeping it off when weather comes in. Why is it that most people don't react, but some people do? I don't know. It's, you know, it's a very interesting conversation. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's always <laughs> when a parent is like, huh. Or, or I get the parents, I have to say a lot of times it's the dads who are like, I have that same problem, but it, or that same tongue, but it's never given me a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, can I ask you a few questions? Or like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, 
that that could be because of my my tongue tie. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so let's go back to it, you know, not causing any problems for you. What we look at is function. If you think you're functioning fine, by all yep. means, continue on. But Move if on. You're, you're compensating, go on. Yeah, it's like if you got issues with this or this or this or this or this, like <laughs> you know, maybe set up an evaluation because yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, everybody doesn't have to be treated. But everybody deserves to be evaluated, right? Because you you want to know, you want to, you should know, um, especially with what's going, you know, what continues to as we move along. Just looking at the whole the whole child and the whole family. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like inside your center, do you with Thrive? Do you guys have um, like a certain way that you help parents go out and advocate? Because I know, obviously in your office, you can do a lot of things. You can do the Mayo, you can, you know, do the pediatric airway to an extent, but let's say a child really needs, and I'm, I'm thinking, cause hi DMV, it's been really hard to find ENTs who get it. Um, mm-hmm. How are you parents navigate that, you know, that pediatric airway space in terms of getting sleep studies or getting the tonsils mm-hmm. that actually looked at beyond just a quick little glance down the throat? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so thankfully, there are a few things I can skip over because I'm an attending at Children's National. So I can order a sleep study. Oh, yay! <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I'm just like, don't worry, you know. And in that, in that time, even spending time in the operating room with some of my ENTs, I'm literally like, can I have your ear for just a moment? I, like, I need your help. <laughs> and so, you know, you find your people. You find your people, and I, I, I hope that circle grows because I don't want to have to say, you know, uh, maybe you should, yeah, I know you talk to your pediatrician. Maybe you should talk to this one. I don't want to have to say that. I want to say, yep, everyone gets it. We all get it. We're all looking around the same, you know, looking for the same things and understanding the same things. But, you know, really just show, sometimes you have to show it. The proof is in the pudding for some of, the, some of my team that may say, yeah, no, we don't need to do this. And then maybe we go ahead and, resolve the issue or we've gone ahead and gotten this child help, I will go back and say, hey, I just want to reconnect with you. And, you know, I saw this, we went ahead and did the study. These are, you know, these are the results. And, you know, this issue, would you like to help resolve this issue? Or should, should I, you know, refer them to someone else? And those are times because I want to keep relationships, right? I, I, I'm the pediatric dentist. I can't do the surgery or I, I can't do the tonsil, you know, TNA surgery, there's some things that, you know, again, we keep in house, but we need our peace. And so continuing to have those conversations and I'll always send a letter back to their original pediatrician and whomever they bring in, you know, sometimes they bring in a list of people they've been to. I just send back that courtesy letter. And sometimes I'll get a curiosity call that says, you know, you know, do you really think they, they need, you know, this? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. You know, I, I do. And, and, you know, if you just, 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 just go down this path with me for a moment. And so as you found, it's, it's about people trusting you. It's about your, you know, your team just trusting. And, you know, I've even had people just say, I really don't have the time to, to follow, to follow up for all of this. And I'm like, that's cool. We got it. We got it. Maybe there'll be a day we, I, you know, I don't know, but the way we, the system we've set up, we're able to, to do that and make sure that it, that it happens. So, um, I think people, people are just like you, they know the name and they're like, oh goodness, here, here, here she comes. <laughs> what does she want? <laughs> what did I do now? 
But I appreciate that because I, I don't want I don't want anyone to feel like we're we're saying, oh no, they don't understand or they don't get it. Like my whole goal is to educate because we can't do this alone. We need everybody to be on the same page. And um, now, you know, we have parent advocates who are, you know, would you mind talking to the other parent about your, you know, about your experience? And, you know, it's because it, there are some things we're introducing for the first time. They've never heard these things. And so, you know, OMC, what is that? Like, what, what is this? This is something, what kind of, you know, I had a grandparent say, this is some old new stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, not really, but, you know, I get it. <laughs> You're not coming to your pediatric dentist to talk about sleep and, you know, tongue ties, but um, now you are. And so we want parents to expect that. We want parents to expect a full evaluation, to expect questions about their child, for a teenager to walk into our office and still get questioned about breastfeeding, <laughs> because we want to know your history. And um, we want everyone to, to thrive, which is the whole reason for why we named the center the center that. Love that. I love that. It's, it's one of the things I've talked about so much that it's not enough that we are just functioning, like we need to be functional. Mm-hmm thriving, right? We need to have optimal function. And so I love that yep. that's the whole mission behind this because it <laughs> really just drives it home. And I think, you know, when you can even have that conversation with a parent that look, our, it's called thrive because every child deserves to thrive. And if we are not looking yes. at child holistically, they're not going to thrive. We need to be looking at this and figuring out what is the root cause, get down to the root cause, stop slapping band-aids on these kids, stop just medicating yes. them, stop just waiting, yes. being. like, no, if, if people, I think, truly understood how fast the human brain develops and how critical these time periods are during the first seven yeah. years, yeah. the fact that our jaws are shrinking, our skulls are shrinking, you know, epigenetics, like we're already up against, you know, we're kind of, the odds are against us. And so if the odds mm-hmm. are against us, we then have further malocclusion, you know, from what, from what I'm seeing and all these dentists and ENTs and everybody that I'm t- I've been talking to, it's, it's been so eye-opening to learn that odds are stuck against us. So we got to work, you know, work on <laughs> really putting these things in place to help these children because they're the future. And I know it sounds so cliche, but mm-hmm. really what's going to happen if nobody intervenes. And so, you know, I'm always so grateful and thankful for like comprehensive teams and practices who get it. And, you know, I think that is interdisciplinary care is, is amazing. And I'm going to be, you know, reaching out to you after this, be like, who at CNMC, can we refer our patients? I got to? you. I got you. <laughs> I've got you. <laughs> standpoint, it's, it's been tricky. And I've had families go, like I had one family recently who went to a couple different ENTs in the area in Maryland and mom came back and she's like, well, you know, she's like, hand throws the hands up in the air. Like, I just, I don't know what to do anymore because you're saying this and, you know, and, and I'm not even the one treating the child. I'm just on the calls with the the team, with the mm-hmm. treating therapist is a myofunctional therapist and feeding specialist. And, you know, because I want mom to hear from more than one of us. So it's not just the treating yeah. therapist, but it's me. You know, I also worked with one of her other kids at one point. So we have that relationship, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's nice you can also speak to somebody you trust in the area, which I know not everybody gets to yeah. do. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it was very, it was just further eye-opening for me, right? Because someone who trusts me, who knows we have the best interest at heart for her child is, is over here, like frustrated beyond all means, because she's like, I will do what you tell me to do, but I do it. And then mm-hmm. I just, right. and I, don't. I, I know, know. I know. I 
And we finally send her to a pediatric dentist in the area who gets it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> I sent him an email and I was like, heads up. She's coming with a list of questions. Here they are. I'm like, but here's the, <laughs> I'm sending her with a list of questions. I know you're going to say all these things to her already. And I know you're going to go over this with her, but I want her to feel really empowered to be able to advocate for herself and her child walking in, because I know that she's already gone to two providers who have really just kind of set things backwards, you know, in motion. And so he was like, no problem. It's all good. But she walked in with like, I'm like, here's the 10 symptoms we're concerned about. <laughs> And my, my therapist was like, she's like, so can I use this as a template to send to other providers? I was like, please do. I was like, no, no. (laughs) I was like, like, not normally. Like, let's send a note that says here are our concerns and here are the symptoms. Like, please look at it. (laughs) Man, if we start sending this to providers, they're going to be like, what is going on? (laughs) What is happening here? (laughs) That's, that's where we're at sometimes, you know, it's like one of those situations where, these parents just feel so helpless and they just want to help their child, but they're also like two working adults, their child's in school for a whole time. Like where do they have the time to continuously go to another appointment and another appointment to turn away, you know? And that's, that's where the, you know, I know like thrive is just going to create such a phenomenal space to send parents where they're going to get like the whole kit and caboodle, you know? And, and then, yeah your ENTs that you can reach out to. I love the other thing you said too, where you said, you yeah. know, well, should I send them your way or should I refer them elsewhere? Cause that really <laughs> back to you. But if you don't, if you don't want me to, like, I'm glad to forward, you know, send them yeah. onward. Yeah. It's such a great way to navigate that conversation because we do want to respect our colleagues regardless of yeah. whether or not they're in the airway space. Um, and I know that's a really hard space for a lot of providers to navigate. It is. It is. It's, we, we get it. Um, but it, like you said, it's, it's all about keeping the relationships. And so hopefully, you know, from maybe that experienced child, they will learn something and be like, you know what, I might need to dig a bit deeper into this myself. So I love it. I love it. So what other, if you don't mind sharing, are you using certain like growth appliances in your practice? Or are you headed that direction? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we have the I say the, the luxury of, of also having orthodontist in house. So um, depending on, I see my little littles, I see my, to- I see the toddlers, even if they have to have early expansion, things of that sort. Um, we, we hosted a variety of appliances from Healthy Star to Vivos, et cetera. But, you know, as you know, it's not all about the appliance because have to use it correctly, right, to get what we need done. So those kind of the diagnosis and need for whatever is, is basically just individualized. So whatever that we're trying to resolve, if we think we can resolve it through that manner. Um, and so um, in my work with the Breathe Institute and those, those kinds of um, groups, Vivos, um, the Sleep Airway Center, we just kind of look at what does kid need and what, what's the best modality to go to. And I like having that flexibility too, because I don't want to be, I, I don't like to be locked into a system because I feel like then I'm just treating by a system rather than what do I have? Okay, I have all these things. Now, how's that going to help that child? Um, and so that becomes really a good way for me to, to approach it too. And then having my orthodontist by my side too for, um, for my older kids is been super too, because it's, been, it's allowing her to learn a bit more it, we chat about it all the time, the things we didn't learn in like dental school, things we didn't learn even in residency, then we're like, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> step back. 
we're doing something really awesome here. <laughs> I love that. It's I've had my eyes open to how orthodontics can be airway centric as well and how we can even use yes. like but it's not always about the tool, right? I mean, yes, we want to grow the palette forward and we have expanders that do that. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, old arch braces, I know, are still a great thing. It's just managing to grow the palette enough before we put them on to straighten the teeth that is often yep. that's missing in some in some practices. And so I love that you've got mm -hmm. dentistry and ortho and early appliance options, early expansion. Yeah. Early, the earlier, the better, in my opinion. I was yeah. super yeah. excited expand Lily, my, my now six-year-old. Um, so she had her tongue, her, she had her tongue tie, um, released at 24 months, right? After I came back from that course, okay, I, okay we're doing okay. this. Let's go. <laughs> then I was like, okay, I think we need to do some early expansion too. And so she went into an ALF appliance at four years and then pandemic happened. Mm. So she ended up staying in it a little bit longer than planned, but her tonsils okay. decreased size they went from like a three plus to like one like where we really couldn't see them very much anymore they're like love it a little bit um and 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 they wax and wane but they've never gotten back up to concerning levels at this point because I'm constantly looking in her throat I'm like what's going on back there with you know and I <laughs> we were turned away from and so I'm like I I've had that experience as a mom where you go in and they both know what I do and they both are supposed to be in like the tots airway space. And I was like, okay, that was really disheartening <laughs> as a mom, like to walk, I was almost in tears, a mom and provider. And so anyways, I was very excited because that was not something I was anticipating. Wow, that's amazing. During cold and flu season, her tonsils just disappeared. She was in preschool. I was like, what just happened? Like three months into a growth appliance. Yes. Yes. That was my, always the sick kid, always the sick kid. <laughs> Even, I mean, she was sick sometimes, but she wasn't chronically sick, which is why they were like, Oh, her mm. tonsils are fine. Her mouth is usually closed mm. and not chronically sick. I'm like, but they look really veiny and not super healthy. And her airways like this big. So I don't know. I'm not saying I want you to remove them. I'm just saying like, what's next? Like, what do we do? Right. 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 Not, not even, not even let's monitor, not let's try a nasal spray, not like nothing. And I was like, okay, guess I'm on my own here. And mm -hmm. that was that. And I just, I was, that's what really, I think lit the fire under my butt. Cause I was like, well, I'm not an ENT. I can't go like, you know, diagnosing these things or telling people what procedures they do or don't need, but I can find providers in the area who can help me help the children who are in the same situation as my child. And that's mm -hmm. you know, where a lot of that passion comes from, which, you know, I feel like every single person I talk to has either had the experience themselves or their child. And it's like, it really took that flipping me on, like flipping this all on its head to be like, whoa, what are we looking at here? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you guys have, I know I saw, um, you have a book that you're co-launching coming. Yeah. In. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this, this has been, oh my God, this year has been quite a year <laughs> in terms of just some really awesomeness happening. So with about six other women, we launched a book called Innovative Women in Healthcare, um, Exceptional Leadership. And then I, via Instagram, met a budding author who we are co-launching What Should Mommy Do for Their Child's Oral Health is the first in the series. So 
Um, he's also working with another pediatrician in the area for um, regarding topics about that too. And so it's, it's just been really exciting to now just kind of share, continue to share knowledge, right? And, you know, I see by your coursework and the offerings that you have, you kind of see the importance of just making sure to push and get it out there and just continue to inform everyone, whoever wants to listen about how they can, you know, how they can also help their, help their child. And so it, it's just been very exciting in terms of making this happen and, and the book coming out in this year came out a few months ago and then the new book coming out in the spring of next year. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Exciting. <laughs> well, I know. And I, the last thing I wanted to bring up too, is um, we had mentioned the research earlier on about like ADHD. And, you know, I know that mm -hmm. you have a link with like the ADHD and sleep conundrum, the review. So we'll link that for everybody yeah. in the Thank show you. notes so they can easily access that, that review um, if they are interested in, you know, reading anything further. But is there anything else that you want to share with us about, you know, Thrive or anything before we start to wrap up today? Um, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot today. So um, I would say, if, you know, in, in terms of my providers who are listening, trust your instincts. In terms of my parents that are listening, trust your instincts. Um, there is a lot more that we still have to learn, but I feel like we have taken some leaps and bounds uh, in our field to really address the whole child. Um, I say beyond the baby tooth, which is what we're known for, right? Which is what pediatric dentists are known for. But now we've taken that a bit further and um, really excited for what, what we have in our community of, and that's growing and the colleagues that are, that are really saying, oh, I see it, I see it, I see it. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> it's impossible. My hygienist, I'm like, guys, this is a hygiene visit. Y'all are all, all on lefty. And they're like, oh my God, we just want to talk about it. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that's what I preach. I'm like, I created that fast myo screener because I was like, it doesn't matter if you're an SLP or an OT or a hygienist or a dentist or so on or so on. You know, I'm like, if you're looking in somebody's mouth or you're looking at their face, and you start to see some of these things right away, you know, we might want to recommend an eval. I mean, and it doesn't have to right. be a minute, 15 minute, 10 minute screening. It can literally be walking them from the front of the office back to the hygiene chair or while you're looking in their mouth and then you make a note in their chart. So discussion can be had, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I love That's that you're right. everybody trust your instincts. I've always said your gut never lies. Like, especially that mommy nope. gut, you know, something is off. Do not let anybody gaslight you into telling you that you're just a new mom and you're sleep deprived and you're, you know, all the things that I've heard from these parents, you know, oh, you're, mm -hmm. just, you're just a warrior. Oh, you're overthinking things. Oh, they're fine. Like most kids like this are fine. Like, no, if you think something is up with your child, keep pushing. Like this is your permission to keep okay. pushing until you get the answers that you need. You deserve and your child deserves okay. to get the answer. So I love this. Thank you. Thank you so much. From the mouths of two, from the mouths of two moms and two practitioners, we trust it. Right, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Janelle. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Oh, I appreciate you and all that you do. So thank you for all the great work that you do for our families. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Vulcan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Vulcan. And you can head over to the untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes, um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. 